Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm. especially need your help tonight because in order for me to make my way to where we need to go, we may have to move a little slow for a moment. But if you'll help me preach, we'll, we'll get the plane off the runway. Amen? Amen. Psalm 84 and verse number one. If you have that, say praise the Lord. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. Who passeth through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. I'd like to preach from this subject tonight, the privilege of the priesthood, the privilege of the priesthood. Can we put our Bibles down and can we lift up our hands all over the sanctuary and let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Could we do that? Could we lift our voices? Open up your mouth right now. Dear Lord Jesus, we're calling on you. We're asking you to move in our midst in this service, God. I pray that you would minister to somebody. And Lord, I pray that we would receive your word with gladness, God. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together one more time and magnify your name. Thank you for the praise that has already been lifted in this sanctuary, God. And we're careful to give you glory for all the good things that you've done. I wonder if there's somebody tonight that could begin to thank God for his goodness. If he's ever blessed you, if he's ever touched you, why don't you go ahead and lift up your voice in thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Everyone said the privilege of the priesthood. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. If you have your Bible with you tonight, 
as you were reading in the text of Psalm 84, you probably noticed the little notation at the beginning of this psalm that reads, to the chief musician, a song for the sons of Korah. And as you will see in just a moment, it's remarkable that this particular psalm would be penned specifically for or perhaps by the sons of Korah. The story does not begin in Psalm 84. The story for our interest tonight begins with Moses and the Israelites as they journeyed through the wilderness just after their miraculous deliverance from Egypt. In Numbers chapter 3, God himself set aside the Levites, the tribe of Levi, out of the 12 tribes of Israel for full-time service to him. They were ordained to take care of the tabernacle and all of the implements of the tabernacle. Everything that pertained to the tabernacle was under the purview of the Levites as well as the Ark of the Covenant, the place where the glory of God dwelled, the place where the presence of God would dwell and the power of God was represented by the Ark of the Covenant. And allow me for just a moment to digress and, and remind us tonight that it is the will of God that the ministry be provided for. Ministry is an office that requires full-time attention. People who value spiritual things will value the ministry and they will provide for the ministry. This provision is one that God instituted and designed himself as a minimum 10% tithe of our income and then our offerings are to come above and beyond that and they're to come freely from our hearts as gifts to God. Can you say praise the Lord? And if we are to go forward in time from, from the time of the wandering in the wilderness, we would find that as they crossed over the River Jordan and as they broke through the walls of Jericho and they entered into the promised land, that good land that God had designated for his chosen people, as they stepped foot on that soil, God began to divide that promised land amongst the twelves and he gave them good land for them and he gave them homes and he gave them houses that they did not build and vineyards that they did not plant. But the Bible tells us that of the 12 tribes, only 11 tribes were given the land. And, and the tribe of Levi, the Levites were uh, to spread themselves amongst the other 11 tribes so that they could perpetuate the worship of Jehovah. They were there to, to keep the worship of Jehovah alive throughout the chosen land. And it was for them that God set aside the tithe and the offering so that they could serve him in full-time ministry. Now, we see in the Bible that all of the Levites were set aside for the service of the temple and the tabernacle and the ministry of God. But listen to me carefully. Only the descendants of Aaron were allowed to serve as priests. All of you Old Testament scholars know this, but some of you should listen closely to this little piece of history. Since all of the priests descended from Aaron, 
All of the priests were Levites because Aaron was indeed a Levite. But all Levites were not priests. But all of the Levites who were not descendant from Aaron were to serve the priesthood. And as you can imagine, this created the perfect environment for jealousy to grow in the hearts of man. The three sons of Levi were Gershon, Merari, and Gohath, Kohath. And the Gershonites were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent of the tabernacle. That included its coverings and all of the various curtains of the tabernacle. The Merarites were responsible for the frames of the tabernacle, the beams and the crossbars and the posts and the pillars and all of the equipment that went with that. And the Kohathites were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. Everyone said the sanctuary, which included the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelled. And, and it included the table of showbread and, and the laver and the lamp and the, the altars where the incense was burned unto God and the sacrifices were made daily unto God. All of these fell under their purview and these three men were placed directly underneath the supervision of Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Now the Gershonites and the Merites were allowed to transport the things under their care on carts. They were able to put uh, the tent poles and they were able to put the curtains on carts and it could be pulled by donkeys and it could be pulled by oxen to lighten their loads. But the Kohathites had to carry their things, the holy things of the tabernacle. You remember that the Ark of the Covenant would be carried on two poles and they would carry these things on their shoulders. They had the hot, exhausting burden of transporting these holy things from place to place and from camp to camp as they wandered in the wilderness year after year, searching for a promised land, searching for a place to come of glory and to complicate things even more. They were not allowed to actually touch the things that they were carrying. If they were to touch any of the holy things, they would immediately die. We know that this happened sometimes in Scripture that people would touch the holy things and, and they would die. The priests had to wrap the sacred objects in special coverings before they could be carried from camp to camp. And as you can imagine, it didn't take too long before the Kohathites began despising their job and they began coveting the role and the privileges of the priesthood. They began to look at the sons of Aaron and they began to look at the priests and they began to see their responsibilities. They didn't have to carry things in the hot sun and, and they didn't have to carry that load on their back from camp to camp and their spirit grew bitter and dark inside of them. Until one day Korah, an influential Levite, began to hate Moses and the Bible says that he began to rise up against Aaron. He despised his job. He began to despise the authority that God had placed in his life. And he gained a following of about 250 men who were also in rebellion against Moses and Aaron. 
Korah's first act of rebellion, the first sign of his inward spirit was that he began to withhold his tithes and his offering. Then he stopped assisting the priesthood. And finally, he began to openly argue and challenge Moses and Aaron. What Korah really wanted to do was to take over the priesthood for himself. He coveted the privilege of the priesthood. But God was with Moses. How many can say praise the Lord. Moses had a supernatural call of God on his life and God began to speak to Moses and and God began to stand with Moses and the story of God's judgment. I, I, I know that some of us know the story, but I often think of this scene. It was it all culminated in one terrible day. When all of the sudden Korah began to rise up and his rebellion became an open revolt in the presence of God and in the presence of the congregation. And the Bible says that he did something very strange when the rebellion began to consume him, when the rebellion began to take over his spirit and his thinking. He literally gathered his men and he took them, the Bible says, to the entrance of the tabernacle. Someone said the tabernacle. He went to that holy place and, and all of his followers and the Bible says that about 250 of them lifted up their bronze incense and they began to burn incense on, on these bronze sticks that they would hold and at the top of this stick that they would hold there would be bronze overlaid and the incense would sit on top of it and as they would light it on fire that sweet smelling savor would lift up into the heavens. This was a form as they began to worship God. Do you know what they were doing? They were, they were trying to take the place of the priesthood. This was the role of the priesthood to offer up incense to God. And God began to deal with Moses and began to tell him that the judgment is coming very soon. And, and you better warn Korah. You, you better let some people know. And, and I love the spirit of Moses because when God began to let him know that judgment was coming to all of these people who were sympathizing with this rebellion. Listen, we have to be very careful that, that we're not sympathizers with rebellion. I know a lot of people who aren't walking in open rebellion, but they're sympathizing with rebellion. And there were all of these people who were sympathetic. They, they, they were closet followers, so to speak. They, they would kind of nod their head in agreement when they thought nobody was looking. They, they would kind of stand on the side and, and they were waiting to determine which one they were going to follow. They, they were waiting to see which man would still be standing when it was all over. Moses and Aaron or Korah. And his followers. But God began to let Moses know. And I, I love the spirit of Moses. This is what a man of God always does. He got down on his face and said, God, uh, surely we don't have to pour out judgment on all of these people because of the rebellion. Somebody ought to thank God for a pastor who gets down on his knees uh, even when your spirit is wrong uh, and says, God, forgive them. Uh, God, save them. Uh, God, deliver them. God, heal them. That was the spirit of Moses. He began to 
plead for the people. And God said, I want you to get up right now and I want you to run out. And I want you to begin to tell people they better distance themselves from the rebellion of Korah. They, so, oh, I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You better get as far away from that rebellious spirit as you can get. So I feel the Holy Ghost starting to get on me right now. You better remove yourself from that spirit because judgment is coming. And when the judgment of God begins to fall, you don't want to be anywhere near what's about to happen. So Moses began to, he began to run to the people and said, you need to remove yourself from what's about to happen here. And as Korah in open rebellion began to burn that incense before God, all of the sudden the earth began to tremble and shake and God ripped open the earth and immediately in just a matter of a few seconds, Korah and all of his followers were gone. And we see in this great and terrible day of judgment, God began to remove some things. God will always protect his man. God will always stand beside his anointed. But in the midst of all of this judgment, in the midst of all of this shame, in the midst of all of this failure, the Bible is careful to remind us in Numbers 26 and 11, the Bible says something so amazing. It says, the sons of Korah did not die. Those legendary sons of Korah, we don't know if they were too young to follow their father into rebellion or if somehow they just had got a hold of what it meant to stay away from that spirit, but but somehow they had removed themselves and God spared them the judgment that came on their father. And we read in our Bible that those legendary sons of Korah are peppered throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Out of the ashes of judgment and shame emerged in an extraordinary lineage of godly men. I'm preaching to somebody tonight whose parents and grandparents left you with a legacy of failure. They left you with a legacy of defeat. But God is speaking into time tonight. And God is replacing rebellion with rejoicing. God is turning tragedy into triumph. He's turning shame into fame. And he's turning blame into a new name. I wish somebody would understand it's not too late to change your legacy. You can see great things happen. So the Bible tells us that the sons of Korah continued to prosper seven generations later after the great judgment, after the great rebellion. The prophet Samuel came from the lineage of the sons of Korah. It was the sons of Korah who served with King David as an elite squad of skilled warriors. During the time of King David, it was the sons of Korah that became great leaders in music and worship. Their fame as skilled singers and musicians grew under the worshipful reign of King David. It was the sons of Korah who danced with David with the Ark of the Covenant as it was being carried into Jerusalem every six steps. It was the sons of Korah who got just a little undignified with King David. It was the sons of Korah who lifted up the timbrel to heaven and said, we are bringing the Ark. We're bringing the glory back into Jerusalem. And they worshiped God with all of their might. And they they worship God with all of their heart and they worship God with all of their soul. 25 of the Psalms 
are credited to the sons of Korah. Verses like, as the deer panteth after the water brook, so my soul pants after thee, O God. They sang, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. It sounds a little bit to me like they're describing that great and terrible day of judgment that befell their own generation before in their father. And they said, we're not going to be afraid because we've got a God that can restore a legacy. We've got a God who can bring us out of judgment and put mercy and grace into our life. I wonder if they trembled as they sang, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in all of the earth. The sons of Korah had all of these distinctions and more. But one of the most interesting things that we find about the sons of Korah is that they had the distinction of serving in the tabernacle as gatekeepers. They were the keepers of the gates. They were the ones who were tasked with standing at the most vulnerable place in the temple. The place where if an enemy was going to come, it would be the gates that would be stormed, not the walls, not the strongholds, but it would be the gate that is most vulnerable. And so they were given the envied task of being a gatekeeper where they would stand on guard and they would look for friend and foe and they would protect the holy things of God. I don't know about you, but I want to preserve some holy things of God tonight. There are still some, listen to me, Apostol, there are still some things that we need to protect we still need to preach this Acts 2.38 message. We still need to let the world know they need to repent of their sins and be baptized in Jesus. Hey, I want somebody to know you still need to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hey, we still need to preserve holiness and righteousness. Somebody's got to stand in the gate and say, I'm going to believe some things. I'm going to preach some things. I'm going to love some things. I'm going to preserve some things. It was the sons of Korah who were preserving the holy things of the tabernacle. They were tasked with its protection. Hey, we've got to get a love for holy things in this next generation. Listen to me, young person. You better fall in love with the holiness of God. You better fall in love with the holies of holies. You better fall in love with the presence of God. Don't get caught up with the cares of this world. Don't get enticed with the deceitfulness of riches. Don't get enticed by all of the things that will flee from you. Fall in love with some holy things. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things of good report. Think on these things. There they were. Standing in the gap for the things of God. And all of these generations later. I believe that they were thinking back as they penned these words. They were remembering the failures of their father. And as they looked back on all those generations they were able to say 
For one day in thy courts, O God, is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather stand at the gates of the house of God. I would rather protect the holy things than to spend a thousand days in the wickedness of man, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Just one day at the door of God's house. Oh, I wish somebody could get a hold of this tonight. Just one moment in the presence of God is more precious to me than all of the pleasures that this world has to offer. And they began to write these words as God began to change a legacy. A man, their father Korah, their great-grandfather, their great-great-grandfather as the generations perpetuated. They looked back and they saw a man who was coveting the privileges of the priesthood. Somehow in their spirit, uh, they found themselves longing to be content protecting the priesthood. Think about it for a moment. They were able to completely change their destiny. They were able to completely turn around the legacy of their father. And they were protecting the very lineage of Aaron that their father had sought to destroy. As your musicians come, please don't play. Just come and be ready. To me, it's miraculous. It's nothing short of a miracle. How many have ever, ever seen an individual completely changed? I mean completely changed. How many could testify tonight that God completely changed you? Amen? God can completely change a family. How many have ever seen an entire family changed? How many have ever seen a home where you see a father and you see children and you wonder, how are those children ever going to make it? Can we just be real for a moment? But I believe that God can touch the heart of a life. And in spite of the earthly legacy that someone has left for them, God can give them a new legacy. God can turn a family around. God can turn a lineage around. God can remove generational curses. Oh, I wish someone would preach with me. Listen, just because your dad was an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. Oh, I'm about to preach to somebody. Just because your dad had a temper and beat up on people doesn't mean you have to be that way. God can remove those things from your life. And you can move forward in victory. You can move forward in anointing. You can move forward in power. Just because your mama suffered with depression all of her life doesn't mean that you have to. Just because generational curses of addiction and failure have come down through the bloodline of your family. God shed his blood. And went... And when you get the blood of Jesus applied to your life, you get a new name written down in glory. And all of a sudden, God begins to reshape some things and reshape. And all of a sudden, you're transformed into the image of Christ Jesus. And you get a heavenly father who does some rearranging in your life. And to me, when I look at this, 
ongoing story that plays out slowly and comes and goes through the pages of the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. And I see the sons of Korah coming and going, coming and going off the pages of my Bible. And when I come to Psalms 84, it just all culminates in my mind. And, and when I read verses 1 and 2 where they say, How lovely are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. The story has completely come full circle from that place of rebellion where, their, where Father Korah stood in rebellion at the door of the tabernacle. And now we see his bloodline as doorkeepers at the gates of the tabernacle. And we see them offering up praises to God. Oh, I wish somebody would begin to look at somebody through the eyes of faith. I'm seeing people right now. I'm seeing people with fathers who almost wrecked their lives. I can see them in these altars right now through the eyes of faith, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I can see a new generation of worshipers rising up. If you saw them right now, if you saw their daddy right now, if you knew their granddaddy right now, you would say there's no hope for them. But I see it in the eyes of faith tonight. They're on their way to apostolic tabernacle and God's about to raise up a new generation of worshipers, a new generation of gatekeepers in the house of God. Some of you have given up on young people and you don't believe they'll ever love holiness and righteousness. I got news for you. God is raising up the sons of Korah and they're going to love the holies. They're falling in love with some things. They see the failures of their fathers. They see the failures of generations that gave up on God, that gave up on holiness, that kicked authority out of their life, and they say, I don't want to be like that. That's good. Some things are happening in their life. That's right. This some is things are changing in their life. How lovely. How, oh, I can hear it. I can hear it right now. I can hear a generation right now. How lovely are thy tabernacles. Oh, I wish a young person right now would lift up your hands. How lovely, Lord. How lovely. How lovely is the house of God. How lovely are the things of God. How lovely. The Lord of hosts, my soul longs Yea, even thanks for the courts of the Lord. My heart. Lord, not just my heart, but my flesh cries out to you, Lord. For you, the living God. This is my cry. I'm not ashamed of it. I know daddy was a failure. I know daddy let go of some things. But in my heart, my flesh cry out to thee, the living God. Come on, somebody stand with me all over this tabernacle. If you love the things of God, if you love the house of God, why don't you offer him the fruit of your lips? Offer him praise right now.
Yeah.
that we have the privileges of the priest here tonight because we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Amen. We have a privilege that if we're not careful, we'll take it for granted. Listen to me. We'll take it very, take it for granted and we will lose the blessings of God. We have the privilege of being able to enjoy the presence of Almighty God. We can go into the holies of holies. We can go into the mercy seat. And that's what the Holy Spirit does when it fills us. I wonder as we close, pastor's going to come and pray. But I wonder right now if somebody would just lift up your hands and thank God for his presence. If it's been a while since you felt the presence of God, please don't leave this place without saying, Lord, I want to I wanna feel your presence. Come on, somebody cry out to God. Thank him. Thank him for the Holy Ghost, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you that we can feel you. Thank you for it, and we give you praise in Jesus.